0: Are you making the most of the time in lockdown? My wife pointed out to me that that sounds like pressure to young moms. Uh, Young moms with young children in their living rooms uh, are a little like uh, young moms on a long plane flight. She sent me an article that compares the two. Young mom, maybe homeschooling. Picture them uh, compared to a a young mom on a long plane flight. Uh, the, uh, The goal is to arrive safely. But my youngest son and I have been challenging each other to make the most of the time. And that includes some time in the evening just learning some more difficult guitar licks. And so we picked up some John Mayer songs. And one of them is this one called Why Georgia? And uh, the difficult thing for me is that you're playing both the guitar and the drums. And so here goes a little bit of it. The first part's like this. You hear that little drum bar? And then the second part is... So it's. So if I did that about 2,000 more times, it would start sounding like the song. But I started thinking about that song, especially the chorus of it that says, I wonder sometimes about the outcome of a still, verdictless life. Now, what does he mean? I wonder about the outcome of a still verdictless life, a life that doesn't have a verdict yet. Well, he answers it with a question he repeats three times. He says, am I living it right? Am I living it right? Am I living it right? I think the time in lockdown gets us thinking about the verdict over our lives. Now, maybe your restlessness requires just a little walk. Maybe you just need to go for a long walk. But for some... This restlessness has to do with something deeper, something bigger. Blaise Pascal, a great uh, mathematician and, and theologian, said that our greatest trouble stems from the fact that we cannot sit alone by ourselves for an hour. And so I wonder whether or not this time, the silence of this time, the quiet, the seclusion... Hasn't dredged up some restlessness in you, and so that's what this uh, this series is all about. It's about uh, the priorities that lead to the good life. It's about putting first things first. It's called first things, the priorities that lead to a good life. And and this this restlessness tells us that maybe maybe our priorities aren't quite in order. And so this morning we're going to start with this question: Can Can we confront the restlessness head on? And the answer is yes, you can with confession. From the word of God, Luke chapter 18. Hear God's word this morning. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is God's word. Let us pray. God bless this word not only to our minds to understand it, but to our hearts to believe it, that through our lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. So can we confront restlessness head on and what's it saying can we listen to our restlessness what's it telling us can we confront it head on and and does confession does confession help us get to a good life does it help us get better does it help us get to the good life does it help us reprioritize yes confession can lead to the good life when you embrace the pain of confession and the pleasure of confession now the pain of confession is simply this it's dealing with the condition and not just the circumstances. It's to embrace the pain of dealing with the condition and not just what's on the surface, the circumstances. Now, what do I mean? Well, let's look at it like this. When, when you walk with somebody through a season of, uh, of chemotherapy, when someone has cancer and, 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 and you're watching them go through the season of chemotherapy, you have to recognize the fact that the chemo is trying to kill them or at least get as close to killing them as it can, so that it kills the more vulnerable cells, the cancer. And so that's what's going on with this this tax collector. He's recognizing that he can't trust what's in him. He's not trying to even trust his religiosity. He's like, God, just kill it. I mean, take me low, so that whatever is in me and the Bible calls it the flesh, and it doesn 't mean you know flesh and blood it 's really talking about the old nature, whatever 's in me that 's really centered on self whatever I've been, i'm 'm invested in that that really leads to death instead of to life, kill it that 's what the tax collector is saying and the pharisee now let 's not beat up on the pharisee what this this is a parable, and so this is the Pharisee in us what 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 Jesus is saying look where where is authentic faith in you and where is where is just simply religiosity? W- which plan, which program are you on? See, the Pharisee in us, it kind of trusts in our performance. It kind of says, you know, um, you know uh, God, I thank you that I, you know, that's what it says in, in, in verse nine. He says, I thank you that I. <laughs> Think of it this way. God, you're, this is his confession. God, I thank you that I. Yeah, uh, whatever comes next just isn't going to work. But see, that's that's what's in you and me. Even even the good things that we're about, even the good deeds, right? I mean, you see this today. Everybody has a cause. You know, it may, maybe the Pharisee is is uh, in a modern day is is very environmentally savvy and conscious. And you can't even buy a pair of shoes today without. Uh, seeing the cause that's behind the company, and, it, and that, that could be the old program. It could be that I'm trying to buy my own righteousness. I'm trying to, you know, put this fig leaf of good deeds out there so that, you know, I, I, I feel justified, that so I feel better. See, what the ta- tax collector isn't so interested in feeling better. The tax collector in us is interested in getting better. So if, if you're bothered by the idea of confession, if you think, oh gosh, you know this might make me feel worse, then you might be on the, ro- the old program. You may be, in other words, you may be climbing the wrong mountain. You may be climbing Mount Sinai rather than Mount Calvary. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when you climb Mount Sinai, you're really climbing the mountain where the Ten Commandments were given. It's not that the Ten Commandments don't matter. I mean, Jesus said, you know, the law is going to be fulfilled every jot and tittle. But when you treat the law as sort of the program of the old flesh, the old man, the old, the old part of you that centers life on self, what you're saying is you're climbing that mountain for a second chance to try harder. You descend that mountain to have a second try. But when you climb Mount Calvary, you climb Mount Calvary to die. And you descend that mountain not to get a new try, but to get a new life. You descend the mountain that Jesus died on. That, that When Jesus says, you know, when he calls somebody, he bids them come and die, to come to the end of themselves, to have a new life. So when you climb Mount Calvary, you, you climb it with your cross, and, and you descend that mountain to die. It remi- reminds me of this uh, funny little story about a speaker who was kind of cocky. He got up into the pulpit and um, and he was speaking before a bunch of, of pastors. Now, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. It's not a fun thing to do. But he was kind of, he was kind of overly confident. And he fell on his face during the presentation. And uh, one guy in the back said to a friend of his, he said, you know, if he had ascended the pulpit the way he descended it, he would have descended it the way he ascended it. <laughs> so, you know, that's the end of this passage. Look at it again, the very end of the passage. Luke 18. It says this. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. see, that's what it looks like to embrace the pain, the pain of confession. To embrace it is to embrace and deal with the condition and not just the symptoms. That's embracing the pain of confession. Second, embrace... The pleasure of confession. Now You say, oh my goodness, the pleasure of confession? What does that look like? Well, this is what it looks like. It looks like like connecting with God at your worst and not your best, at your place of greatest need and not at the place of your greatest deed. I know maybe that sounds a little corny because it rhymes, but just think about it for a minute. What does it look like to connect with somebody? Imagine that. At the place of your greatest need. Your greatest pain. Your greatest troubling thought. Your greatest fear. What's it like to connect with somebody at the place of your greatest need and not your press release? Not at the place of your greatest deed. Well, it's a little like, let's go back to this doctor analogy. I was talking about chemo earlier, but let's go back to the doctor analogy. So imagine you've got a problem with um, your heart, and you think, I definitely, I definitely have a heart problem. And you know it, and, and you know the symptoms of angina, and, um, and you've got some numbness in your arm, and you've got some pain in your chest. And imagine going to the doctor, and you want to talk all about how, uh, how much weight you've lost this past year. You want to talk to you about your exercise regimen and how, how much you're eating better, and all of that. And you're avoiding the real problem. See, now, now maybe you'll walk out of there with a, a sense of, of uh, you know, a false sense of assurance. But you won't have connected with your doctor as the healer that you really need. And so that's the pleasure. The pleasure of confession is to connect with God and to begin to get on a new program. Not a program that's centered on self upon your performance, but a program that gives you a new identity in relationship. That's what it is. It's to have a new identity in relationship. You know, I, I, I think some of the most popular internet videos out there are of dogs and of puppies and, and babies. But I've seen these funny little videos where that people have sent me of, of animals that have been helped by a human being and they've been reunited with them. And the animal, have you seen these? The animal remembers that that person because of the help that they received from them. That that pain, that emotion made a memory, it made a connection. See, this is a little bit like what we're talking about here. If you're embarrassed about confession, if if you're worried about despairing over kind of plumbing the depths of your restlessness, then you have to ask yourself, what program am I on? You say, well, how do I know? How do I know that I'm on that old program, the old flesh, the old man, the old, the old person that wants to center life on self and just sort of build self-esteem rather than have a new sense of self rooted in relationship? How do I know? Well, here's a question for you. How defensive are you? And how much are you judging others? How defensive are you about yourself? And how much are you judging others? That's a great litmus test or a great index, an outward sort of tip of the iceberg of what you're really investing in, what program you're really on, what foundation you're really building on. If, if, if you're embarrassed or concerned about plumbing the depths of your restlessness, then maybe you're on a different program like the one that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3. You know, he, he's sort of distancing himself from his old Pharisee ways. and He says this in Philippians 3, he says, we put no f- confidence in the flesh. He's talking about we who have trusted in Christ for their salvation. He says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Now he's looking at his pedigree, right? He's looking back at, at the fact that he was, uh, well, this is what he says. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Right? So he's climbed at Mount Sinai and he's saying, you know, I've really kept those commandments. And then he says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss. Loss for the sake of Christ. You see, the the Pharisee in us is always keeping score. It's always sort of measuring how we're doing. Its identity is in self. You know, it's kind of like you know old Al Franken. uh, You know, many years ago, Al Franken was a comedian before he was a politician. But he was on Saturday Night Live, and he did this little shtick where he was looking in the mirror, and he says he's sort of making fun of self-esteem movement. He's looking in the mirror, and he's saying, "You know." I'm good enough, and I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, right? I mean, that's the Pharisee, just always saying, look how I've kept the law, look how well I'm doing, always keeping score. But the tax collector in us, tax collector, doesn't play to keep score. The tax collector plays for the company. The, the, the tax collector is building relationships on the course, even when he whiffs the ball. You know, here's, here's what I'm talking about. Let me put a little illustration on this. Somebody asked Billy Graham one time in the middle of several very prominent, very famous pastors uh, falling from grace. Somebody asked Billy Graham, uh, what keeps you from uh, going the same, down the same path? And he said, because every day I wake up and I pray to God that I won't be next. You see, He is ascending the pulpit the way the other guy descended the pulpit. He's not despairing over himself. You see, like the tax collector, he's trusting the chemo. Like the tax collector, he's saying, look, not woe is me, uh, but woe is me without Christ. He's saying, saying, I have a new life. I'm not investing in the old abilities that I have. I know my human condition, and I'm not going to say that I'm past it. Because as soon as I say I'm past my, my human, the human condition, then I make myself vulnerable to it. I think that's, that's where so many people get tripped up over, the following Christ. And, and it's one of the reasons I, I got into doing what I'm doing. Because so many times in the church, I, I wasn't seeing people really connecting with the relationship of their new life. The relational identity that's being offered to us in the gospel inside the church. A lot of times what I was seeing inside the church was just the same old religious program. It's like, yeah, it looks great and and we've got a lot of prayer programs and we've got a lot of, of, of good deeds that we're doing, but it's really building on the old flesh. It's building on the old program, the old life. It's ascending Mount Sinai, expecting to do better this time. It's saying, I'm gonna try and try harder instead of ascending Mount Calvary with our cross and dying a little, to live more. Dying to self, coming to the end of ourselves and finding a new self in relationship. You see, that's the confidence we have when our identity, when our new self is based in relationship. And that's the pleasure of confession. And Jesus says this at the end of his parable. He says, I tell you, it's the tax collector who came home justified. You know what that's saying? You know what that's saying? He's saying he has the confidence that, that the verdict over his life has been pronounced. He's not, no longer living a restless, verdictless life. He's no longer asking the question, am I living it right? Am I living it right? Am I living it right? Jesus is saying the tax collector is willing to die to have new life, willing to find new self, a new identity in relationship to God. The verdict has been pronounced. He's justified. Yeah, he recognizes. Like with Billy Graham, I'm unworthy. I'm still unworthy, but I'm not worthless. You see, all the world religions say, just try and try and try harder. Just get on that program. Get on that treadmill. Now the gospel says this. <laughs> You can have the verdict over your life pronounced. And so then here comes the joy of following him, taking up your cross, not to despair. To despair, yes, over the old ways, but to have new life. See, that's why Augustine said this. God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they rest in him. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, and we thank you for the grace, the grace that is the unmerited favor that frees us from the restless pursuit of self. God, give us the courage and strength in these weeks to put your kingdom first in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.